Hello, I'm Max Hepkin. And I'm Patrick Lovick. And this is episode 18 of Rewatch Podcast. This week we are watching episode 18 of Lost, the best episode of season one, except for maybe the finale. I'm not sure. Uh, There's a lot of good episodes in season one. Well, but this is, this is up it's there. It's a really good one. This is up there. Deus Ex Machina. Uh, our guest this week, uh, famous Seattle musician and friend of the show, Seth Boyer. Uh, and we had a really good chat uh, about Lost and pop culture and uh, anime and uh, uh, a lot of the uh, sort of influences of uh, Lost on pop culture. Uh, so you can look forward to that. Uh, this week's episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Seanimals. Seanimals is a town of huggable ninjas, mustaches with mustaches, and adorable pet dumplings. You can rediscover your imagination with Seanimals toys and games, made by our good friend Sean Smith. Former EGM editor, way back in the day. Used to be a games writer. Way, way back in the day. And uh, our second sponsor for this week is Field Notes. Field Notes brand is a USA-made memo book and a family of other products, including seasonal limited editions. You can visit fieldnotesbrand.com or check out Field Notes. Oh, this is cool. If you live in Chicago, you can visit them at 400 North May and go to the uh, Field Notes shop. I didn't know they were. I didn't know they were based in Chicago. Oh yeah, it's uh, Kudal Partners puts the, uh, puts that together. So thank you very much to Seanimals and Field Notes, two great Chicago uh, companies, for uh, sponsoring this episode of Rewatch Podcast. How you doing, Patrick? I'm good. You got to watch that great show. What great that? episode? Oh yeah, Lost. That great show. <laughs> the great show. The one that we're here to talk about. <laughs> uh, how's your dog doing? Just wants to be walked and be fed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's what she's thinking right now, but yeah. instead she's locked in the Well, we've, uh, I have really screwed up our recording today. This was supposed to be happening at like 8 in the morning, and it is now 5.09 <laughs> p.m. <laughs> so I think probably we should just jump into this episode. I, think I guess we'll have, so. I think we'll have a lot to talk about. Uh, yeah, Do you want to talk about anything? On. No. Can we? T- can I talk about something really? Qu- I'll, sure. I'll keep yeah, it real quick. Yeah, you got anything? I don't really have anything. I have something. I really like your Dark Souls uh, piece that you wrote about getting trolled. Oh, thank you. I thought that was such a good piece, and um, it reminded me. Well, you should you should say the story for. You should sort of summarize it quickly, and then I have a good. I have a quick yeah, story. Yeah, so there about was that. a piece that uh, went up on Kotaku this week um, that was uh, about. What, what is the title? I'll put it in the show notes. I think it was. Like uh, the the tro- the, de- the the troll and demon souls that made me rage quit or something like that. Um, essentially, the the story goes that when you play the Souls games, um, you play them. They are single player games uh, ostensibly, but uh, around you in the environment, you'll see little ghosts, and those aren't ghosts; those are other players. So even though you're on your own quest, you will see other people in the environment going on that same quest as you, which is really cool because it reminds you you're there are thousands or millions of other people on this same adventure, and it kind of reminds like encourages you to keep going. You also can though. Uh, invade other people's games. And so when you defeat a boss, you become uh, what's called a human in the game. You're always kind of this undead creature, and then you can briefly become human. You have more health. And when you are human, yes, you have more health, which is great because you die all the time in this game, but it means you are then susceptible to the parallel universes that are going on. And so it means other players can invade your game and kill you. They can choose to help you, but they can also kill you. And so... I've been playing this game Demon's Souls, which is the first game in a series of games. There's Demon's Souls, Dark Souls, Dark Souls 2. Uh, the next sort of spiritual successor comes out next Tuesday called Bloodborne. And so I was trying to catch up and uh, have played all of them. And so I was streaming myself doing that because it's like, hey, I'm going to be sitting playing this game anyway. Might as well do it with an audience and people like, like watching people get frustrated on the internet. And this one guy kept invading my game. So this man so you named... Can, you, uh, just mechanically, you can pick... 
whose game you go into? You can't. Okay. If you are in the area, so he's watching. So basically, if you're watching me on the stream, uh, and then uh, you're in that general vicinity, you can use a certain item, and then hopefully the game will match make you with that the person you're trying to invade. But there's no guarantee of that. But because he's he can see where I am, he can be in the area. And it's a game that came out six years ago, so there's not as many people playing. He has a pretty good chance of invading me. And so he would invade me every single time. And what he would do was not just invade me, but the Souls games are designed also kind of around trolling people. And when you, the way you can do that is that you have certain weapons and uh, spells that essentially break all of your equipment. And so he would come into my game, and he would just break my equipment over and over again. So then when I would run into him, I would just kill myself. So I would go from being human and having more health to killing myself so that I could just get out of this situation, and I wouldn't give them satisfaction of trying to screw with me. But later in the game, you encounter this boss, and this boss that you encounter, normally the bosses you fight in these games are these big, towering creatures. Uh, And instead, you walk into the room, and the game pulls in another player. And you have to defeat another player in order to progress. And this potato marshal was hanging out. What a control name. um, And then he got pulled in. And once you're in a boss area, you can't quit the game. There's no way to leave unless you die. Normally you can quit the game. It's always saving. There is no way to leave. You can't use any spells. There's nothing you can do. And previously we had come to an agreement that he would stop using this spear of his that degrades all my equipment, and we would actually try and have a battle. And we did, and he still beat me, but it was fine. So I kind of thought this gentleman's agreement was still in place. Not true. So we get into this match, and he immediately destroys all of my equipment. And so I'm pissed. I'm like, fine, fucking whatever. Just kill me. And he doesn't do that. Instead, he just kicks me to the ground, which takes off a tiny bit of my health, locks me into a long animation, pulls out this other spell that de-levels you. So he takes away one of your levels, your hard-earned levels in this game that makes you stronger and would de-level me. And then I'd run away, he'd kick me to the ground, and he'd de-level me. And he took away four of my levels before I just went, this this is bullshit, I can't quit, there's nothing I can do, he won't let me die, I'm just stuck in this purgatory where he's going to remove all the progress I've made. So I just turned off the game. I literally just turned it off, put the game into offline mode, and then went in and beat what some you, random AI character. If you ask the developer of the game... It's intentional. They, there was nothing he was doing wrong. He was playing by the system set up by the game. Is that a loophole? Like, but if it's you ask the developer of the game, do you think they'd be like, wow, we really should have done something to prevent that? Or are no. they like, wow, that's awesome. The system is working. How I, think it, I think it's wow, it's awesome. Okay. I was pissed off, but it, you know, it's a great story. And it's, you know, on some level, this person has a lot of time on their hands to be doing stuff like this but within the context of the game i it's just a bunch of really weird systems that come together for a inc- really incredible moment in which the, the the opposing player invades another person's world and has just complete power over them like yeah. you, normally in games you are this powerful creature that like just kind of storms through and instead this other person comes in and is just fucking destroying me <laughs> and it was infuriating it's like anti journey yes yeah um but I, it was a really fascinating story, and uh, um, it was f- interesting, too. I was then talking to – I thought maybe he – so this person, Potato Marshall, uh, he trolled Brad uh, Shoemaker, who was my colleague over at Giant Bomb, when he played the same game. And then he followed me over to this game and did the entire the thing, same thing while I was playing. And I was chatting with 
uh, someone else earlier this week, and they had mentioned, oh, hey, I saw you're playing Demon Souls. I read your story about getting trolled. It's really interesting. He's like, I have an interesting story, too. And I was like, oh, did like something similar happen to you? He's like, the same person. And I was like, oh, were you streaming? He's like, no. So I was like, so you're saying this, hu- this human being is just going around doing this to everyone all of the time? Huh. And he said yes. Was he, in, he wasn't in your chat or anyone, anything? No, no connection to me whatsoever. This is a person I just met. And they have the exact same experience. Huh. Yeah. He's like Jason Voorhees. Just out there. Man, I really want you to go talk to the developers of the game and be like, do you know about this? What do you, what's your reaction? I wish they're Japanese and those... Yeah, well, uh, you can't, there's no way to communicate with those people. I don't have access. I mean, they're PR gateways. Like, there's just not... It's oh, just not gonna is happen. that a big game? Bloodborne? I don't, I don't, uh, I don't have be. a sense of it. Um, okay. Well, you know, there, there might be an opportunity if... So each of these games have included items like this. I'm hoping there'll be stuff like this in the new one. Which I cannot talk about, but I am playing you have it. it. Uh, I am playing it, okay. um, but there's not a lot of other people playing it. So can I you say if it's of, fun or not? I can't. I can say it's a game that I'm playing. That's it. You can't even say if it's fun. Nope. I'm not even. I'm probably not even supposed to say that I'm playing it. But this will come out by the time the embargo's up, anyway. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm that's just, a serious. Professional. That's a serious embargo. Professional. Okay. All, all embargoes that are reviewed. I, I gotta get something out of you. I'm playing it. Um. Are the graphics good? They're present. okay wow what a pro we should talk about this all right let's talk about lost uh oh well before we talk about oh no follow-up we do follow-up yep okay uh let's see (laughs) uh you gotta do this last one so you do the first one okay so we got vanessa g i recently caught up with the rewatch and it's been so much fun for me because i was 11 when lost first aired I didn't start watching it first, but my parents and older sister did. The first episode I saw was All the Best Cowboys Have Daddy Issues, and I saw the very end when Jack was trying to revive Charlie. I sort of jumped into the show from there, but I was young and a generally uh, oblivious kid, so a lot of the show went over my head. One of the most memorable moments of Lost was at the end of season two when the episode blank, 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 blank. I had a friend who said she when, wouldn't be able when to blank, watch... When blank shoots blank... No, no, stop! And blank. Stop! Oh, You're... come on, there's already guns on the show. People get shot all the time. <sighs> There was a new gun on the show this week. There's no reason, there's not even no reason to go back there and fill in that blank anyway. It's more tantalizing. No, it's not. I had a friend who said she wouldn't be able to watch and wanted me to give her a recap of the episode the next day. So I remember being 13 years old in the middle school hallways, running up to her and practically screaming about the episode. I never watched anything like Lost before, so the whole concept of characters being killed off was shocking to me. And, uh, yeah, I think she totally... She's right that, you know, it was a show that kept you on your toes about the characters and was not afraid to toss aside characters that you loved partially because the show over time became very good at introducing new and interesting characters it wasn't always successful but mm. successful enough that they were able to reshuffle the deck in a way that a lot of other shows would be too scared to yeah and uh you know it was it was interesting too i was just, I was, I was just thinking about this like a lot of people i feel like left the cast of lost because at a certain point like lost was just like the hottest shit on tv and these people were leaving to go do some new opportunity, and then you'd, like, never hear from them again. Like, there weren't a lot of, like, breakout um, uh, stars from Lost. Who uh, are... Vanjie and Lily was the only one. Yeah, right. She's in, like, the Hobbit movies and some other stuff. Well, she's, I mean, she's done Locke is on TV. Uh, what's his name? Um, Terry O'Quinn's on TV. Well, Terry O'Quinn was uh, an enormously well-known character actor. He was probably the most well-known actor coming into the show. Hmm. Like, Terry O'Quinn was in, what, like, The Unforgiven and a ton of other stuff. Star Trek? Star Trek, uh, like, 
he may have not a star, yeah. but he was one of those actors that when you saw him, you went, oh, that guy. You'd seen him in a million things. Yeah. Um, and I guess the, the most – I mean, well, uh, Charlie – you know, yeah. I mean, he was in Lord of the Rings prior to uh, Lost. So Sawyer was in uh, that episode of Community. Yes, that was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, he had his own show very briefly on CBS that was canceled very quickly. It's like when when West Wing was on, and West Wing became like the coolest thing on TV, and then Rob Lowe left, and like he leaves in like season three, mm-hmm. and then didn't work for like a decade in between West Wing and Parks and Rec. He went on that show to uh, like the Lions Den or something. Yep. And they promoted it so heavily, and it was so bad, and it flopped so hard. He was really good in Parks and Rec, though. So good. Yeah, it was great. But, uh, but yeah, a lot of people in Lost didn't go on to do a whole lot else. I think Evangeline Lily is probably is certainly the when most. It, whenever someone leaves a show that I really like, and then they go do some new thing, and the new thing flops, I'm always so satisfied. I'm like, yeah, you shouldn't have left. You shouldn't have left the good thing that I like. There's still one that bothers me to this day about Lost that I can't mention. We could spoiler. briefly mention it. Put it in the spoiler chat. chat. We got to do a spoiler chat this week. All right. James M. writes in to say, watch the first five seasons, parentheses, really good, and then stop. The end of season five feels like a solid ending for the show, and then season six feels like the network wanted them to keep making episodes, and they had to scramble for ideas. That That is not, ter- that is not bad advice. I, I do... I do. Uh, I give it a hard time. I do have good feelings about the finale, uh, although the last season is garbage. Um, but I do think you need the last season to get to the finale, and I and I do think the finale is is has catharsis for the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's worth, um, you know, if you've gotten to season five, if you got that far, just finish. Th- that's it out. the thing is, by the time you've seen season five, you've been you've seen the worst of it, like. The season what, what is it? Season six is the last. Mm-hmm. Season six is no worse than the beginning of season three. Like it's it's all it's all garbage. And at least you're getting, you're getting like you're, at least you're closing the loop on the show in some ways yeah, and getting just, some answers. Just tough it through and watch it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I also I also do agree that I felt like the end of season five could have ended the show for me. Uh, and and in some ways I would have been I would have been satisfied with it. I could see that it was a, it was a good big big good moment. All right, you got to do this last one. Uh, Smegmark, <laughs> which is a or S Megmark, I guess if you wanted to have a more positive <laughs> interpretation of that. I don't know, crevettes. Crevettes. Crevettes is just the French word for scrimp. favorite we just got this email and that's all it says thanks meg mark yeah all right still no drew follow-up nope. we got a couple of emails this week uh from people who were uh, very upset that we stopped hearing from drew drew please well, please write us back and we tell have us his what email you, we should just email we him. should really he's email. probably just not listening to this show and no, that's impossible uh we should email him and find out what he thought of deus ex machina though all right well let's get to our interview uh this is uh an interview with uh my friend seth boyer seth is a musician in seattle and a friend of Rewatch Podcast, and uh, he joined us on Skype to uh, chat about the show a little bit. All right. We are uh, joined this week by a uh, famous Seattle musician and friend of the show, Seth Boyer. Hey, Seth. Hey, how's it going? Good. Uh, Seth, how did we meet? Did we, I think we met be, uh, when I, I saw you and Marion Call playing together. Yeah, something like that, or or, or 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 through Molly Lewis, uh, other famous Seattle musician, as you put it. Um, That's true. Yeah, and then we got Paseo sandwiches and talked about Lost. That's true. I do remember that. Oh man, Paseo was so good, and it's gone now. Oh no, they're back. They're back. 
Yeah, they, they reopened under new ownership, apparently with the same recipe. So I haven't tried it yet, but I hear it's still on the level. All right. Well, if any of our listeners are in Seattle and you've been to the new Paseo, please, this is very important. Please write us and tell us if it's as good as the last one. Have you ever been to Paseo in Seattle? I have time to go to, like, the subway when I'm in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if Pas- anyone's been to the, the subway in Seattle, like, let me know how it holds up. So Paseo is like Subway. Okay. Very but similar. But, like, actual food? But all the – everything is completely different. Uh, it's like, like quality, these, yeah, ingredients. Flavor. Human beings. Botulism yeah. and <laughs> lack thereof. No, it's like uh, – it's like uh, what is it? Is it Portuguese – I, I thought it, I thought it was like a Caribbean kind Caribbean, of thing. Caribbean, yeah. I, it, it's like yeah. amazing, like pork, sloppy pork sandwiches, and you they're huge, and you eat them on a picnic bench with really not enough napkins, and then you take a huge nap afterwards. It's pretty good. Yeah, the the nap is is complimentary. It comes with it. Uh, the, the real thing is the onions, though. Like there, there's these giant, giant slabs of just beautifully caramelized onions that with grill marks on them, and oh god, yeah. And they, uh, they shut down. There was some ugly uh, labor labor dispute or something, and now yeah, they uh, didn't pay their employees, which uh, turns out oh, a labor oh, a labor dispute. I don't know. Well, I don't know. How <laughs> some positive PR spin. <laughs> uh, we had our there was a funny. So our interns did uh, a couple of our interns are from Loyola, and they did like an interview in the um, Loyola student paper this week. And the reporter was like, it's like a regular feature where they interview Loyola students about their interesting internships. And um, they both refused to comment on their pay. Like the reporter kept asking, like, how much do you get paid for your internship? Which is like, it's not a secret. We, pay, we actually pair interns really well. We pay like 15 bucks an hour, which is the most, it's way more than I ever made doing That's an That's $15 an hour more than most interns. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I had a lot of unpaid internships, so I, and I know how much that sucks, so we, we just always wanted to, to go above and beyond. Um, but they both, like, didn't want to comment on it, because I guess they didn't want to, like, uh, blow us up, or I don't know. I mean, I, I think they were being considerate, and they, like, just didn't want to comment on it, but it made it look so sketchy. It made it look <laughs> like we, like, don't pay them. They were, like, they were, like, both, like, like, wow, we can't comment on any alleged pay that might be happening wow that, that might be the, <laughs> literally the sketchiest way to respond to that no tom uh, made a joke he's like well they pay us in uh, trident layers gum which is true that is a job perk that uh we have a lot of uh trident layers gum in the uh, a pantry. lot of snacks in this office good it's snacks good, quality good snacks. snack it's a good snackable um lifestyle that we live in this mm-hmm. office dangerously <laughs> snackable actually is that did thing? they discontinue trident layers is that why there's a surplus in the office like did you guys get a pallet full on the cheap Oh yeah, they're all defective. They're cr- <laughs> okay. Okay, good. They're That's cr- the secret they don't yeah. tell the interns is actually they all make you sick. They're, the reason you sleep a lot—they're <laughs> teeming <laughs> with uh, termite eggs. So uh, we have mm. them all. Um, speaking of which, no uh, bugs this week. None. I think they're gone. I don't know. We had a lot of bugs in here last week. All right, Seth, you are a Lost fan. That was one of the first things we talked about when we met. Yeah, uh, I'm. <sighs> I'm kind of a I'm I'm not a hardcore original Lost fan. I, you know, I watch like like most people, I watched the uh the first season on DVD because it Lost kind of timed really nicely with the advent of TV on D- DVD when that was starting to become good anyway. Yeah. Um, back when you so, wanted to own like box sets full of things and then you would own like three seasons and go, oh, no, I don't want to buy the rest of these. And then you just have like two seasons of remember, a series on your shelf. Did you ever have any angry they, about it? They, they stopped matching halfway through oh, the yeah. series. Uh, what Buffy was, was a garbage? nightmare. It's the worst. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Star Trek did that, and then they released – so I bought it, and then it didn't match, and it really bugged me. And then they re-released it as, like, the giant next-gen, the big green next-gen, like, 
crate of DVDs and I rebought the whole thing and then it became available on Netflix. So that was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, you, I watched you, the, did uh, you catch up and watch it on the air eventually? Yeah. And then okay. I was watching week to week for, uh, for a couple seasons until like halfway through season five, I think is when I was like, you know what? I don't know if I can do. And, uh, and then this past year, actually, after we had that conversation, I was I was talking to my little brother, who's also my roommate, about it, and he's a filmmaker and is crazy into Lost and Abrams and well, Jakina more than anything else. Um, but we uh, so we sat down and started rewatching it from the beginning, um, and kept going through you know past the point I had stopped. And man, by the time that finale rolled, I was uh, bawling like a newborn child. <laughs> so you were a, you were a fan uh, of the ending. Oh yeah, I, I thought okay. it was fantastic. Like a like, I, a, like I, a good human being, you were okay yeah, it, with the well, ending. In fact, it was like a fantastic someone, ending. Yeah, someone with a heart connected to their eyes. And exactly, ears. exactly. Yeah, but, we, uh, we we don't we try not to give any any like like super specific things. Sure. Yeah, and and talking in generalities is the best way to talk about Lost. Well, I find because I can't remember all the little bits of Apocrypha yeah, so, because it's they're so funny. And like, they're fun. Patrick but. and I followed so closely online with all of the like uh, uh, fan theories and spoilers when the show was on, and there was a time when I definitely knew all this stuff and knew the mythology like backwards and forwards. And now, as we're rewatching it, and we'll get to like you know Kate's horse in the woods or something and i'm like <laughs> what was that is that part of the mythology or is that just a horse like and then we wind I'm, up i'm just as aimless as i was when i watched the show the first time and didn't have the answers yeah exactly <laughs> yep so uh, we, yeah so this week we're watching uh probably patrick and i's favorite episode of all of lost or at least up there uh which is uh deus ex machina which is the lock episode from season one uh where he bangs on the hatch and the light turns on was this the was this the first Brian K. Vaughn one, or was this before he came on the show? I'm trying to remember. Wait, Brian um, K. Vaughn wrote for Lost? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. Yeah. What? Yeah. I'm going to look it up. Oh, yeah. Um, no, That's uh, interesting. But, no, I might be think, connecting those two. Seasons Brian three K. through five. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he wrote a comic called Ex Machina. That's why I connected those dots, I guess. Yes. Um, he wrote... Ben, uh, our friend Ben gave me that comic, and I have not read it. Now I feel terrible now that you just reminded me of that. I really need to get on that. Uh, no, but that's a fantastic episode. Do you, uh, do you remember when you saw that for the first time? Uh, I mean, we've, it's interesting. Patrick and I both had a very... We both loved that episode, and I, I have such an emotional um, connection to Locke when he's like... You know, he's like hanging, hanging on the edge of of uh, of uh, uh, like his identity, and like uh, you know, pounding on that on that hatch, and the light turns on. It's such a huge moment, and we heard from a lot of listeners who were like, "Yeah, I don't know, it didn't really do anything for me, or it was like too too hammy or too cliched." Ugh. Do you remember? Did you have a good reaction to it the first time you saw that? I mean, that's classic story circle stuff. You know, like it really, really, really dragging him down to his lowest, most desperate point, and then just. A literal light being the, you know, the, the thing that, that gives him a little bit of hope. And, oh, God, oh, no, it was good. It was good. I'm I'm not on the side of anyone hating on this episode. And what do you, I mean, I know you're also a pretty um, careful, uh, like, observer and, and reader of, like, all kinds of pop culture, of, like, games and, and music and TV and film. Do you see, like, the impact of Lost on a lot of the media that we like today? Uh, absolutely, especially in serialized television. Um, you know, just the idea of uh, a season-long arc um, becoming more prevalent in dramas. I mean, that was kind of, you know, I wouldn't say that Lost was the only thing uh, kind of 
turning the tide, um, especially especially in dramas on network TV. But it was definitely the high water mark um, to mix water metaphors. Um, <laughs> I, uh, it, it's funny. I was talking with some friends about um, it's a real sea change. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, I was talking with some friends about uh, anime, which is a thing I do. Um, and we were, we were discussing Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is a very like tentpole, um, you know, uh, you know, the Citizen Kane of anime is what a lot of people would say. Uh, oh, who are those people? <laughs> I don't know. Um, definitely not me. Um, but I, I do love the show and it, it has a lot of, a lot of parallels, especially where it's, it's thematically tackling some bigger stuff. And a lot of its fan base gets caught up on minutia and the idiosyncrasies of plot and you know little things that happen and little you know bits of imagery here and there which like that stuff's really fun to me but at the same time it is secondary 100 percent to you know the the bigger thematic stories that they're trying to tell which is the, the reason getting into arguments about lost can be fun with people but only if they can you know a good litmus test is what would you think of the ending and if someone's like oh it was bullshit or blah blah yeah, blah you know then, then it's like we're not going to be able to come to any kind of Mm, no. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm definitely on the. Uh, well, actually, I, I thought the last episode was pretty strong, but I thought I thought I, I'm not a big fan of the uh, of the last couple seasons uh, in general. Did you? All right. Well, so without without getting too uh, uh, specific about it, um, were you? What was your read on uh, the character of John Locke and sort of where he went over the series? Um, maybe like as, especially as compared to to where he is now in in Deus Ex Machina. You know, I, I I found Locke an, uh, to be an interesting character in terms of someone who who found a calling and and followed that like with you know to a fault. You know, like uh, and that's some of my frustration with the later seasons is is him kind of like or the the writers butting him against uh, characters that seemingly like he shouldn't have too much of an issue with um, and kind of manufacturing a little bit of of drama there. Um, you know, and I, I would agree that, yeah, I mean, there was a reason I stopped watching in season five. It's because on a week to week basis, man, it, it drags really, really hard. Uh, watching it back to back in a Netflix kind of binge uh, format worked a lot better for sure. But man, that's that's definitely like a theme we've seen talking to people about the show, too, is people who came to it later and watched it in one long binge had a much more positive experience with uh, the final season and the ending. Whereas, like, I was watching it week two. I mean, I never missed an episode on TV. Um, I just, like, hung on every single episode, and I was so dissatisfied. Yeah, you, sch- you scheduled your week around it. Oh, yeah. We'd have people over. I mean, we'd, we'd pick someone's dorm room who had, like, cable in their dorm room, and we'd all pile in and, like, schedule the yep. schedule the whole night around it. Um, and, like, I wouldn't take any classes on, was it Wednesday nights, I think? I think so. <laughs> uh, th- like, I, my 21st birthday was on, like, last night, and we... All my friends are like, let's go get wasted. I was like, we can get wasted while we watch Lost, and then we can go continue to get wasted. <laughs> what episode was it? I have no idea. You don't remember? I was wasted. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you bother watch it? I watched it again the next day. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I, I felt like in the last seasons, like, the, man, it just, the pacing had so many problems, and the stuff that they had to come up with to sort of end on a cliffhanger just became so, so silly 
Uh, I really like the later seasons. And as we've noticed <laughs> when we watched this first season, as we've rewatched it, like, oh, I hate that thing. That thing was really good. Yeah, so maybe. I don't know. I feel, I feel like there might be some, some revisions happening. Yeah, as boy, we... it really is interesting to see how uh, Jack got all his tattoos. Boy. Hey, look, <laughs> you can't defend everything, but I'm saying there, yeah. there are bits we have watched in the season. are like, oh, this is going to be terrible. It's like, that was one of them. That was a really good episode. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, Nikki and Paolo is the like the. the oh, chief you exec, can't use right? those. Like no, that's I, those no, so no, overdone. That's, that's a, I love that episode. Oh yeah, yeah no expose. The way they wrap up uh, Nikki and Paolo. Uh, when we were getting a little too far far deep, props up into uh, stuff that happens. But yes, uh, th- there are ways that they in meta uh, ways uh, talk about um, mistakes in the show and they're always pretty self-aware in it and they did a really good job with that one so and 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 not just not just in terms of the larger story like i think uh, the the fun thing about television as a serialized form of storytelling is you can have this big main thrust of of a season long arc where yeah we want to know in season 1 let, let's get in the hatch you know in season 2 who are the others whatever um and those are big questions that are pressing for a lot of people and and should be if you're pacing your show properly but like there's nothing wrong with some season world three, building. What's going to explode this week? Season yeah. four, what's going to happen? <laughs> who's going to get knocked out with yeah. the back of a gun? Season five, um, who's that, that guy? That does happen a lot. What am I watching? Yeah. <laughs> season five, who's that guy? Yeah, that's a good pitch. Um, what? Uh, all right, I got a couple more questions. Do you, Seth, when you meet someone, um, you? I have always found you to be someone who gives very good recommendations of like things to watch and um, uh, media that people would enjoy. Do you recommend to people uh, who have not seen Lost that they watch it? You know, luckily it was enough of a kind of a zeitgeisty thing that I don't meet too many people who haven't at least tried. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, if they've tried and given it like a, a decent shot, I'm not going to sit there and try and convince them um, because it's definitely something that at least nowadays where when it's not a water cooler kind of thing uh, appeals to a specific type of media consumer, I guess. Um so I, I haven't really encountered those people too much. Uh, I, I probably would recommend it to anyone who, you know, shared interests in similar, like, solid serialized TV storytelling. Um, well, and what, so, yeah, what would if, you... if, they, if they let on that they were like, oh, yeah, yeah you know, I like, I like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and then somehow didn't watch Lost, Lost. It was like, you know what? Yeah, okay, give, give Lost a shot. You'll enjoy it. Or and a- what... Alias, obviously. What do you recommend to people who, you know, like Lost and they're looking for, you know, something else? Like, you know, I, I like Lost, for example, and I don't think I've ever seen an anime in my life. I've seen, like, the, the like, Miyazaki films, and, and I thought mm-hmm. they, were, they were good and weird. What does this but, have to do with anime? Well, I'm just asking, well, Seth knows about anime, and I don't oh. know anything about anime. All right. I, just, I, like, we I, just I, just, I didn't anime. understand that. Okay. All we were right. talking about anime back a few minutes ago when you weren't paying attention. That was, like... <laughs> Ten minutes ago, yeah. they can't segue from ten <laughs> minutes segwaying. ago. I'm segueing, uh, but I don't know. You know, in anime or comic books or any other, you know, it doesn't have to be limited to TV. But w- is there any other sort of media that you recommend to people? Uh, you who know, are, actually, who are Lost fans. You know, and and he wrote on Lost, obviously. But Why the Last Man is probably one of my favorite comics ever written. It's really um, good. That's and, another and, Brian K. Vaughan. Really, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And, That's kind of what he's oh, known for, oh, Max. If you have not read Why the Last Man, that needs to take priority over it. Like, Ex Machina is okay, but Why is... Why okay. is fantastic. It's right. pretty short, It's too. really good. I'm reading... Uh, I mean, it's 10 trades. I'm reading a graphic novel called The Lock and Key right now. Mm-hmm. From oh, Steve, uh, yeah, yeah. Stephen King's son. I didn't know you read uh, uh, comic books. I don't read uh, issue to issue, but oh. I'll either read trades or, like, graphic novels that oh, are, yeah. like, larger stories. Lawrence, you, think, you, think you, know, you think you know a guy. I try to keep people Tr- on their toes. Yeah, Trin's been Trin's been on me to read uh, um, 
block and key for since I met her, and I'm finally doing it, and it's really good. It's great. Yeah, I still yeah. haven't jumped into it, but His, I, I really uh, like Joe Hill's fiction. Stephen King's son is really talented. He's the writer. Yeah. Cool. And he, yeah, kind of like David Bowie's son, went, you know, didn't take his dad's name because he wanted to, you know, make a name for himself. And he's like David Bowie's son, exceptionally talented. <laughs> cool. All right, Seth. Any other uh, parting uh, thoughts on on uh, Lost, or or especially like where we are on on season one of Lost? What, what do you what do you think our our people who are watching along with the show have to look forward to as we uh, head towards the finale? I mean, really, the thing is, uh, my uh, my brother's been watching TNG, uh, mm-hmm. and and he was slogging through season one, complaining about it loudly. Uh, and I was like, oh, I think Max wrote a thing on a thing about TNG, and and he's like, oh yeah, whatever, and like looked it up, and then was like, oh, thank God, you saved me so much time. I, I don't know if you could like it would be a much more episode to episode like okay, this one you can skip uh, thing with Lost, especially in the early seasons, but you know, like any TV show, it, it's gonna have there are going to be episodes where you're going to just, okay, yeah, I get it. Yep. You're right. Does Michelle get Rodriguez only get paid in tank tops? Cause <laughs> you know, like you're going to have those moments. Um, and just like to power through because the, I think the net result of, of lost is still a really positive thing even now. So, and I'm glad you guys are doing the show because it's, it's fun and it, it's fun revisiting in depth these specific episodes that I now don't remember, even though I watched it, you know, like three months ago. Cool. Well, uh, Seth, thank you very much for coming on to talk to us about Lost. Uh, I highly recommend Seth's music. You can find it at sethboyer.bandcamp.com. And you can also uh, often see him touring with uh, Marion Call, who is another uh, excellent musician and uh, friend of the show. And Seth, perhaps I will uh, see you at uh, Emerald City. I haven't decided if yeah, I'm going sure. or not yet. Should I go? <laughs> well, is it good? Should I there? go? Uh, I, I think it'll be good. I think, uh, okay. To be perfectly honest, I think I've hit the point with conventions, um, especially ones that like, yeah, I like comic books and yeah, I like video games a lot, you know, but I don't feel like I need to be on the show floor anymore. I think I'm just going to like hang around them because friends of mine will be in town and we can go get drinks and that sounds, that actually sounds like a great reason to go to Seattle. Well, now I kind of want to go. Yeah. All right. Well, in that case, I'll probably uh, see you at Emerald City. All right. Thank you, Seth. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you again so much to Seth Boyer. Uh, you can find, uh, again, you can find Seth's music at sethboyer.bandcamp.com. All right, Patrick. Dun, dun, dun. Let's talk about this episode. Where to, where to even start? <sighs> How about the B story? Get that yeah, out of the way. Okay. That's pretty small potatoes. Yeah. But, but, but oh, good. Great. Good, good potatoes. Great. And there's a really good piece of trivia that ties into it all right so last week we saw sawyer uh had the headaches as uh, people were banging on the raft and stuff this week it gets a lot worse and he's irritable and you can see that other characters are concerned about him um so kate goes to get help for him uh with with jack uh and jack uh has him over to his like makeshift uh, doctor's office uh in the in by the caves and asks him what with kate there asks a really hilarious scene asks him all these questions of like have you been with a prostitute do you have an std oh my god so funny well it, and, it, it, and earlier than that they set up that jack is at this point so irritated with sawyer right. that like he's not going to go out of his way to help him unless sawyer right like come like he wants sawyer to ask for his help but then obviously kate is you know, caught between these guys to a certain extent, like they're starting up this sort of love triangle thing. And she basically drags Sawyer by the ear to go like talk to Jack and Jack just drags him through the coals. I love it. It was such a good scene. Like, have you ever been with a prostitute? And then he just, he, 
he stammers, like, I'll take that as a yes. Yeah. Like, have you ever had a sexually transmitted disease? And then the pause, minute- I'll take that as a, I'll take that as another yes. And yeah. like you the his eyes, like he's so angry but also can't he's powerless. Well, and he's worried. Yeah. He's clearly worried. Uh, you know, it's like the power, especially when his like health is at risk, like Jack does have that that one piece of uh power of him. So he storms off in a huff and then the, the Kate starts to give him a hard time, and Jack just goes, "Yeah, he needs glasses." Like he knew, <laughs> yeah. all, he knew immediately. So it was a good, just a great, just an awesome, hilarious scene. And then, uh, uh, actually, great little montage of Saeed uh, again coming up with a good thing for Saeed to do, sort of soldering together these two pairs of glasses. Oh Make yeah, it's fi- so dramatic too. Yeah, well, it's like, it's, but it's also like it's kind of amazing what he's doing. Like, yeah, it's it's nice. It's like they're working with what they have, which is all these glasses from from I guess the dead people on the plane. And uh, they find the ones that uh, that uh, work for Sawyer, and Saeed solders them together. And well, the then... hold on, there's, there's a couple of other nope. Jack. Jack well, Jack gets a couple other like stabs in at okay. Sawyer in the midst of all this. Before he, they have him try on different sets of glasses. He asks him about like well, any like family history, and he's like, well, my uncle died of a brain tumor. Oh yeah. He, <laughs> so what kind what kind of brain tumor? It's like the one that kills you. <laughs> and, like, and he's like. Well, you know, just like yeah. it just kind of like kind of leaves him on it. You can yeah. just tell he's just like completely freaked out. Yeah. And then there's the, the even better moment, like the whole like culmination of this like continuing ribbing. Um, it also was like a really good moment for Jack, where like it shows him to have a sense of humor that mm-hmm. you don't. He's always like super serious or dramatic, Jack. Yeah. Um, and he's actually like legitimately really funny. And I, I really liked Jack in this episode a lot. Like it was a, the, you're right. He's, otherwise, like a, he's he's just kind of a, like a dick. It's like a side of him, ha, like just having some enjoyment in his life yeah. that that you you rarely get to see. And, and it can only happen once these characters have gotten to know each other a little bit, and they can kind of play with each other and play yeah. off each other. Um, and there's that final final bit where I forget what the medical terminology he uses, but he's like, right. you have myopia, f- myopia, is yeah. like, and just like the way the color drops out of Josh Holloway's face, mm-hmm. and it just he's like. Oh, that's the tumor. That's mm-hmm. the tumor. <laughs> You're farsighted. And just, yeah, it's uh, a, it's a great, it's a great, God, great beast. Dying, story. and it's really they, they, in a way, you know, in a way that I never appreciated um, in my previous rewatches of the show or seeing the show before. They really fucking with the viewer because the way they set this up the week before, you really do think like every TV convention kind of indicates that Sawyer's going to die of a brain tumor. Because like when whenever a character coughs on a TV show, they have lung cancer. Every, this entire episode is misdirection. Right. Like there, are, there is so much great, and we'll get into There's a couple great moments of that yeah. in, in the A-Star with Locke. But uh, the whole episode is often a lot of like hand wavy. And then it turns out like, oh, actually it's this. Yep. And then the and final, not in a cheap way. Like, the final just, payoff of the, of the glasses story too, another great line is like when he puts on the solder together glasses – and uh, 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 oh, shit, who walks by? Is it? I think it's Kate. And I mentioned, or someone that says no, he looks no, like no, Harry no. Potter. Right? Yeah, who says the Harry Potter line? I don't know. Charlie? No. Hurley? No. Who's it? I think we've got to find out now. Here we go. What if you just like looked up the clip? I wonder if it'd be on YouTube. Uh, Sawyer lost Harry Potter. Here it is. I got it. I got okay. it. Hang on. I'll uh, I'll put it on. Uh, I'll uh, oh, this is good radio. I'll put this on the um, I'll put this on the the mixing board so people can hear it. Har har, very funny, dude. 
Six-cylinder steamrolled Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> great shot of a Kate laughing. Yeah, it was a Hurley. There's all, uh, there was also a great there's a great line when Kate's trying to get Jack to to head over there. Uh, something along the lines of like, I don't want to go over there. I'm just going to get a bunch of lip and probably another nickname. Like, yeah. I think it's maybe the first time the show sort of tacitly acknowledges like the nickname sort of uh, yep. commonality with his character. All right. Well, that's so that's the uh, that's the sort of uh, light lighthearted uh, B story. Uh, maybe Jesus Christ. Maybe we need to. How do we even? I guess we should. We kind of have to go back and forth between the flashback and the on island stuff a little bit, right? So it opens up with uh, with Locke and Boone, who yes. have been um, you for weeks and weeks and weeks. You've been dying to see what's happening with this hatch and what's happening out in the jungle. It's sort of been referenced, and that they are telling people that they're out hunting, but they're not. They're fucking around with this hatch. Locke's built an enormous trebuchet. Uh, great little bit of dialogue of like, how do you, how do you, I don't even know how you spell trebuchet. It's got a T on the end of it. Uh, and then they, they let this thing go. It does nothing and it shatters against there is, the uh, There the is hatch. something, and it's every time I've watched this episode, deeply humorous about the way that it falls apart. Yep. Bec- and I don't know if it's how it's shot, how like the, the camera lingers on it, but it, like, I feel like they wanted to convey that, like, I don't know if they were going for that emotion, but every time I walk, like, I almost laugh at it because it's just, like, it's so dramatic and it's well, slow it's, and, like, a it, set of dominoes. It, and it, it needs to tell a lot of story in one little scene, which is how hard these guys have been working and the enormous, improbable, unlikely lengths they've gone to to get into this hatch and how it's had no effect. Like, the great thing about it is there's this huge trebuchet, and before as it's loading up, there's these very low shots of the thing looks huge, of it, like, rising up into the trees and this slow, creaky thing, and they're talking about it, and Locke has all his confidence. And then the thing drops down, and it doesn't even dent the ha- – I mean, there's, it, it's as if it didn't happen at all. It's just yeah. no effect. So you immediately – it tells you these guys have put so much work into this and they're nowhere. They're not any close. – they've even like dug out all around it and they're just nowhere. They've got, they've got no progress to show on their uh, getting into the hatch. So I think that's sort of the, the humor as you recognize like how desperate these guys are and how just, and how just what, nowhere what, they've What they're gotten. stacked up against is yep. like they're – they have wildly underestimated this thing that they yep. – and also there's I think there's an assumption on – on Locke's part, that you know he is all about this destiny, and the the island is is telling him he has to do this, and so you know there's a frustration on his part when it doesn't work because he feels like he's following what the island is telling him to do, and then when it doesn't work, well, what the hell was it all for? And you get this, you know, as soon as it all falls apart, uh, you get this crazy moment in which you know, Boone's like, "Hey, Locke, your leg." And he looks down and like has a giant piece of like scrap metal uh, I, or like very when the sound effect of him like the wet sound <laughs> effect of that like him pulling that thing out of his leg it's huge it's it gets, it's embedded and it gets me every time yeah and he doesn't even notice it's there which yeah. then starts to set up all of these sort of like broader questions about the relationship between I mean no Locke's leg and the island. So first flashback for Locke is uh, he's working at the toy store so it's already earlier than we saw him at the box factory and he's got more hair and looks a little younger. And uh, you see he shows the mouse trap to the kid, uh, and that's sort of setting up maybe the, the theme of the flashback a little bit and the story of it. Uh, and then he sees this, uh, uh, this figure who he clearly recognizes, and I think that's where that one cuts off, right? 
uh, he's later, he follows her out in the parking lot and it's his mom mm-hmm. and he goes out to coffee with his mom and he's like, why'd you get back in touch? Uh, he doesn't recognize her. He, no, oh, he, he, wait, wait, he, wait, he, he met, he, he, mixing this up. He, he oh, says, then he who are you? That's right. He, 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 the, he just can't sees this woman like stalking right. him in the that's store. Right, that's right. Then he follows her outside and, and she's also stalking him there and he confronts her just to ask like, what the hell do you want with me? And she reveals that uh, it's it's his mother, and they decide to go get coffee. Right, and, and then well, let's get and then they're ta- they talk about his like past, and he was in multiple foster homes, and he asks about his dad, and she says you were immaculately conceived. Well, and not the- not only do does she say something like that, but the show does it's like this is a weird thing that yeah. you should be paying attention well, to. Like the mute, yeah. it cuts to her face. The camera yeah. slowly pans in closer mm-hmm. and closer and you get the, something weird is happening music. Like this is you, like this is the show communicating to you through the music. Like mm-hmm. this is important. Yep. This is, this is going to help explain what's happening to lock on this Island. And then, you know, that's, it, it, this, she drops this enormous bomb, like immaculate conception, and it's just sort of like a wet fart. It's like, wait, what? Yeah, and then it cuts to like commercial break, like it does whenever there's a huge twist. Uh, so back on the island, Locke is like uh, burning his foot with the with the hot stick, which is also a very unpleasant scene. Mm-hmm. He's clearly like losing feeling in his legs. Do you? I think he has a nightmare. Is that before? I think that's before this. The night, the nightmare. So. I can't remember. I'm mixing up all the chronology. Yeah, you're mixing early. it up a little bit. Yeah. But um, in you know he's he's out sleeping in the jungle by himself. Mm-hmm. It, we think we cut to daytime, mm-hmm. um, and he is sitting around the hatch. He uh, he lo- he says like the island's going to send us a sign, right. and like Boone Boone says something to the effect of like, "What are you talking about? Like mm-hmm. this is all bullshit." Uh, and then all of a sudden. An airplane appears. Like, mm-hmm. appears to be crashing on the island. Well, his mother. Well, wait a minute. His mother is there. Well, yeah. So, they, so he sees the plane, and then as his head comes back down, oh, okay, he sees his mother pointing. Or, right. Well, actually, I think it's his mother points to the, the sky. Plane. Right. He looks over the plane, looks back down, looks over to Boone, and then Boone is now covered in blood and repeating in a very like like lost occasionally when it dipped into like horror esque uh, visuals. Like was really good at it, mm. and this is one of those moments that is exceptionally creepy. Uh, in which uh, Boone then starts saying, uh, Teresa falls up the stairs, Teresa falls down the stairs, and we have no idea, at least at this point in the episode, what exactly that means. Yep. So then, uh, what, what are the next big scenes? So and then, then he wakes up, and then I think he is... It, yeah, he's burning his foot. his foot, and then he convinces Boone, we need to set off into the jungle and, and go find this plane. You know, it, He's like... The uh, island is telling me yeah, we got to go this we've way. We've got a sign. So then, in the further in the flashbacks, uh, Locke hires a private investigator... Right, yep. and then the private investigator finds the dad. Private investigator, well, um, finds that the mom has been in a mental institution. Yeah, basically, like, right. it starts with that, and then the, the private investigator warns, you know, hey, you know, I, I know who your father is, but often people like this don't want to be contacted. This usually ends poorly, and Locke still wants to know, and so he ends up then heading over to uh, is it Mr. Cooper, right? Um, is, is his father, uh, Anthony Cooper? Yep, uh, and he heads over to his house. So they. Go, uh, he invites him to go. They have a, a nice uh, chat, and they, he invites him to go uh, bird hunting, pheasant Fe- hunting. Pheasant hunting, yeah, I pheasant think, hunting. yeah. I mean, you know, it was actually kind of an interesting moment with Locke where he gets himself into the facility, like, because it's, it's made very clear up front that, like, his father's a wealthy man, done very well for himself. I don't think we know exactly, you know, what he's done, but, you know, it's implied by having a gate person mm-hmm. <laughs> that's there all day. And he's, he's doing okay. Um, and he just, like, pulls up and says, like, 
can you tell Mr. Cooper that, you know, I'm his son, my mother is blah, 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 blah. I don't want anything. I just want to meet him. And uh, he opens the gate and he goes in. And, yeah, they have a really pleasant conversation. And you, I do get a good – even though I know where this he pours him is an, going. He pours him an enormous glass of scotch and then has, mm-hmm. like, kind of a weird moment where he's like, you got to drink that? Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, so I, I, cl- I, know, I clearly know where this episode is going. I've seen it, you know, a hundred times. Mm-hmm. But every time I see this scene, I still am like, boy, that, that, uh, that Cooper guy, he's a good guy. I like him. Yeah. I'm happy for Locke. Yeah. Look at this. Great. He's got a great, a great relationship with this great guy. You don't have a lot going on in your life right now, and this seems yeah. like this is going to be very fulfilling. Yep. So then they, uh, I guess uh, we're, we're mixing up the order a little bit, but uh, they later they go pheasant hunting, and he mentions something to the Locke of, uh, you know, your, your mom's crazy, but at least she uh, put us, uh, to, uh, connected us now so we can enjoy the time that we have left. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's see. Then... Well, then we, I think, we, you know, at some point, it's kind of all mixed up, next. but, like, basically, like, you know, we're on, back on island. Okay. They're heading towards the plane, and, and one of the big things that's happening now is that Locke is losing the ability to walk. And right. it's impossible to tell because the show is purposely playing with this idea. It's like, how much of this is perhaps all in Locke's head? Mm-hmm. How much of this is the, uh, the island removing uh, this either as a motivator or because he hasn't done what the island wants him to, right? right. And so we're not quite sure how that relationship works. Um, but he and, and keeps also stumbling. Boone and Boone asks him what happened to your legs, and Locke goes, "It's not important." We well, kept saying like, "Oh, it's just the, it's just the, well, the, he, the piece of metal." And he's like, "But Locke, uh, right. that was in your other leg, and he's right. incapable of of properly when walking Boone, with both legs." And then Boone finally, Boone, well, and then Locke finally tells Boone, "You know, when I crashed on this island, I was in a wheelchair, and the island healed me." And Boone goes, why were you in a wheelchair? And Locke goes, it doesn't matter what happened. And we're like, what? Yeah, of course it matters. Tell him. What, do you, yeah. what, what the hell? Like, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, a little bit later, they, so then once, once Boone, you know, hears that, you know, he kind of gets motivated along with Locke and they keep going. And I think at one point stops to take a rest. And uh, that's when Boone decides to tell Locke, oh, because at some point to convince Boone to come along with him mm-hmm. uh, on this rabid dream quest. Yeah, uh, is, that he, is that he says, like, who is Teresa? He's like, I never mentioned that to you. He's like, I know it's what you said in the dream. And he got kind of agitated, but it was also a motivating factor to go along with it. And then as they're sitting down and resting, he finally says, you know, Teresa was uh, a maid. You know, our parents weren't around that much. I was six years old. He had, like, a bell that he could ring to have some sort of maid come and see him in his room. <laughs> what and a turd. Yeah, well, you're six years old. Most six-year-olds are turds. I know, uh, but just having a bell to ring for the maid to come get you? What a turd. And, um, well, Boone's kind of a turd. <laughs> yeah, he's just a turd. <laughs> and uh, the, 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 the maid, as she came up the stairs, uh, twisted her ankle, fell down, and snapped her neck. Yeah. So... And at that point, Locke starts laughing, and yeah. Boone gets angry, and they see that the plane uh, is actually uh, hanging up there on a cliff. All right, so let's let's blow through the the rest of the story pretty quick because we have we have so much stuff to talk about still. Uh, but uh, basically, then you find out uh, Locke is giving a kidney to his dad, and um, um, well, the, they're, they're no, like the, holding well, they're like holding hands in the hospital. Well, well, before that though, like the, yeah. the the setup, like, and this is you know given the reveals that happened this episode, like, and you and as you peel back how everything played out, mm-hmm. it's very masterful, and uh, in which. Locke shows up for another pheasant uh, hunting uh, expedition. Oh, right. On, on time at noon, mm-hmm. and when he shows up, his father, Anthony Cooper, is on a dialysis machine. He right. says, oh, you're early. He said, no, you told me to come at noon. And clearly, in retrospect, given what happens in the episode, 
he told him the wrong time so that he would show up when he is using the dialysis. He does need the dialysis machine. Right, right. But it was purposeful that he wanted to see it and start sowing the seeds for well, Locke becoming sympathetic. And it just goes – it goes back to the thing that uh, that Sawyer said about running a good con, which is like you just uh, – uh, you you got to let people think they came up with the idea, and they and they'll talk themselves into. You don't, it. yeah. You don't take it. You yeah. let them give it to you. Exactly, and that's what uh, yeah. Anthony Cooper does with uh, Locke and and the liver over this course of. But then you know w- w- the this, the kind of the way that the banter is between uh, Locke and the doorman. Uh, it suggests this is going on for months, yep. uh, or at least a significant period of time in which like. This is something that happens every week. It's very pleasant. Like they're having a great time or building a relationship. And that's when, you know, out on uh, a pheasant hunt, Locke actually says, I'm going, I'm going to give you, what is it, a liver? Kidney. Kidney. Yep. So uh, Boone climbs up the cliff uh, like a turd, uh, like a dumb, big, dumb turd, and gets into the plane. And he, uh, there's uh, just a bunch of heroin in there. And he yells to Locke, Is this what was, you know, your, your vision was leading us to? It's just heroin. Uh, and then he, uh, as the plane is sort of very precariously starting to lean over the cliff and Locke is yelling him to get down, uh, Boone sees a radio in the plane, like a smart turd, finally. And he goes up to the radio and he goes, hello, we're the survivors of Oceanic Crash A15. Is anyone out there? And then the plane finally tips over the cliff. And as it's crashing, you hear the radio crackle back on and you hear someone go, Wait, we're the survivors of Oceana Crash 815, and then yeah. the plane crashes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Locke finds the uh, – uh, having, having regained his faith in the island, he hauls himself up and he by, – uh, By sacrificing. Sacrificing a, a man to the island, he yeah, regained right. his faith. It is. Uh, that is kind of – yeah, it, you, you are left with that impression of, of, of there's some sort of weird thing with that. Uh, and he hauls a bloody uh, boon out of the plane, drops him off with Jack – like, and like literally drops him off. Jack says like, "Oh, Boone fell off a cliff." Yeah, he fell off a cliff. And, and he's like, <laughs> you follow Jack for a minute, and Jack sends Kate off to go get some t-shirts or something. And he's because Jack's like snaps into action mode, and then he turns back around to say to Locke, "Tell me exactly what happened." And you can tell Jack is like purely in medical mode. He's like, he needs to know what happened exactly, what happened to Boone, so he can figure out how to treat him. And Locke is gone. He's taken. He's well, taken and there's off. like a very brief moment in which. Uh, they, you know, it's a network show. They can't get too graphic, but I think it's very effective. Like part of being on network and what you know, you know, uh, not being over explicit, I think works to the advantage of shows like this. Sometimes they very briefly show his wounds, and it looks disgusting. When Kate looks away, like ah, and Kate's pretty. Kate's tough. Yeah. By this point, you know Kate's kind of a badass. Well, so she's it killed someone. You, yeah, and it makes you like. As the viewer, you're like, oh, man, that must be really bad. And it's, it's such a quick glance. And I'm sure yeah. if you actually looked at it, you realize, like, oh, it's makeup and prosthetics, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But, like, the brief moment they give you is just, like, you just reel from it. I remember going, like, ah, I don't – I don't. that's bad. He really took a nasty fall there. Yeah. Don't uh, – well, it's, it's weird. He was in a plane crash after being in a plane crash. Oh, the irony. Yeah. So um, then uh, uh, I think for this last uh, – so you, we, we get one more flashback scene at this point where Locke uh, wakes up in the hospital uh, and his father's gone and uh, the mother – the nurse is like, oh, I didn't realize he was your father. Kind of weird. And then the mother is there and she's like, I'm sorry that this happened. Um, and you see Locke start to piece together that he was scammed. Uh, and then we after that we get one more on-island scene. I thought we should probably just play this and listen to it. Um, so mostly uh, just this uh, – uh, a really, really good piece of great piece of acting by Terry O'Quinn. He's he's alone for almost all of this and just chilling, great acting. 
and an amazing, amazing, amazing piece of music from uh, Michael Giacchino. So here's uh, just the last, uh, we'll do about two minutes of this, uh, just the very end of this episode. Eddie! Eddie, open the gate. Mr. Cooper's not seeing guests. I'm not a guest! I'm sorry, John. Eddie, open the gate. I'm sorry, I'm gonna need you to move your car. Please, move your car. chills yeah, it's it's probably my favorite piece of music in the entire show yeah that's amazing i mean it's just like that final fucking scene too of of uh lock on top of that hatch pounding on it and the camera we've talked about this like we, we've hinted at this a lot of times but where where the camera is on top of lock and then it starts pulling up as he's banging on the hatch that is in the entire season one of Lost. I think it's one of only two crane shots in the whole show. So the first is in the very pilot when, or the first or second episode when you you see it from the smoke monster's perspective, like looking down at people. And the, this this is the second one, and it's just so it's such a striking, like unusual shot to see things from above. Like Lost is very much like an eye level human. Here's what it's like to be on the island perspective. Yeah, they, don't, they don't go out of their way, probably partially because they don't know what the island is quite yet. So like they can't, right. they don't want to give a sense of scale because they may not know what the scale is yet. But you know, it's, it is partially yes that it's a human eye level show, and then also just it allows them to maintain an air of mystery while they figure out the gaps but it is that moment where when they do that that crane shot that you just get a sense of like how small john Locke is emotionally and in this the way moment. the way the shot is dug out around that hatch too it's like he it's like the eye of god it's like that you know he's right on that little island of earth like 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 on his knees like pounding on this thing and that light turns on i just every time i get chills it's a it's a just an amazing 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 piece of tv and, right. then, and that in that whole bit, uh, even before that, when uh, when the, the moment when John puts it all together uh, and realizes he's been conned, like he doesn't 
he didn't even s- spell it out. Like it's more just everyone infers it together. Mm-hmm. The the audience infers it. The uh, John infers it. But like he, it's very upset. He starts crying. Like it's just it's really powerful. Like the 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 moment that scene kicks in and then leads into this is just like, I mean, I, there are precious few, you know, uh, in terms of like sequences, like emotional like moments in which the so the show just sort of like goes on its own with the music and sort of a, a kind of a montage of scenes for that. Like, I think that, and I don't, it's not a spoiler to say there's a specific scene in the, the in the constant, there's an episode mm-hmm. um, that has a very similar setup in which the music and a, a sort of a set of scenes play together in a way that just like hit you in the fucking gut um, that I, that I think is really, only matched by that that scene in, in the constant, but uh, yeah, it's it's fantastic. And Terry O'Quinn is just there are a lot of good actors that come through Lost, but man, he he just operates on a different level and really good. And just also that that um, you know him being locked out of uh, uh-huh. of I the say it again. The, oh yeah, right. Which is the name of the piece of music? Yeah, locked out is. again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a stupid pun. Lock spelled like the lock's name with an apostrophe. So D. good. Oh, stupid Jacino pun. Uh, but yeah, him being locked out of his father's house and then locked out of the hatch and it's like, and the hatch, it's like zooming out on the hatch. Like, I mean, I just can't, I, I, it's like, it, it's just like, this is everything for him. It's like his spirituality. It's his father. It's like what it's like. Well, he has nothing else in his life and it feels like he's finally found. Yeah. Like well, a reason to live. Here's here's something I wanted to bring up. So this is, I, it's interesting. I like the, fi- where this flashback goes. So, so Locke realizing that his father's like a condom or is that even his father i guess we're left to wonder that we don't know yeah i mean that's that's sort of we we don't actually know you know there's one thing this episode you think you're going to come into this episode and learn why he's paralyzed right right? i think there's definitely a feeling that i don't have now because i i've seen the episode before but when i walk when you get in that episode you're like the big question with Locke: what the fuck is up with those legs right and and you think Maybe there's a complication from the surgery. This is why. Oh, and that's always oh, got all his daddy issues because he's paralyzed because he tried to give away his kidney. And it turns out, you know, we still don't know why he, uh, what happened to his spine and, and right. his legs. But, um, yeah, it's just. Yeah. Well, we do know. Uh, and yeah, they don't. They that don't machine say, in his in his house and walkabout. That's a dialysis machine, right? Uh, Something. I don't it was a, it was a something a, related a spine machine. I think it was something. Oh, was it? I thought it had to do with his kidneys. I don't. Remember. I thought that was the explanation for that. But anyway, it's. An but yeah, we also we also don't know a lot about his father. It's sort of, right. sort of left and like, is it possible it's not even his father? Maybe. Right. Yeah. You know. have no. Yeah. We know. I mean, I feel we like that's that, we, we just know that his mom sucks. Yeah. His mom is, is a. Yeah. His mom really sold him out here. But uh, you know, it's interesting. It's it's. Uh, I think it's the. I was thinking about this. I think it's the first flashback that we get in the whole show. That's not directly about the plane crash. So it doesn't mm. explain why a character was in Australia or explain uh, something leading up to the crash or their life before the crash. It, it has really nothing to do with the crash. It, it's just it, a character it's, moment. Yeah, it's, you're, you're seeing an emotional thing that happened in Locke's life as compared to an emotional thing happening on the island. And I've always felt um, through most of this, the, the flashback of this, uh, although, I, like I said, I like where it ends up, I felt like I, I never... It's hard for me to buy into it because I, I, it's so removed from what's happening on the island and, and you just so are, care about Locke's journey on the island. And I find this – you know, this is the direction that flashbacks are going to start going in, in, uh, in the remainder of Lost. And obviously they have to because you can't tell that many stories about this one period of time in everyone's lives. But the further they get from the events of the show and the plane crash, the more I find myself like, 
um, wishing that we could see the stuff on island and not caring as much about the stuff off island. And it's just whereas early in the show, it's remarkable how good all the off island stuff is and how sometimes that's more fun in an episode than the on island stuff. Yeah. And, the, you know, this is an episode where they complement each other so incredibly well. But it's, it's yeah, it's, that's, some of it is like a little. I, I, what do you make of the stuff where it's like the you were immaculately conceived and it's like that's just the show fucking with you i think that's the show just being like i don't like that i'd rather that they oh, told i like, I'd rather they so, told like a great when, story when she says immaculately con- they're setting up that she's crazy you know, she's she, right. she's actually mentally ill but because of the way I, I don't know i thought it was a fun trick on the show as part like i didn't have any problem with it because because then when it actually comes out of her mouth it is so clear that it's just bullshit yeah all right well, we we asked people for some reader mail about uh what it was like the first time they saw Walkabout, or not, uh, sorry, not Walkabout, uh, Deus Ex Machina. Uh, for Patrick and I, this is um, a big uh, turning point episode in the show. Um, and this is when, you know, when I saw this, I knew that this show was going to be, um, you know, kind of for me and it was going to be really good. Uh, so we got a couple of great letters. Um, I guess we're, we're just doing this one today and then um, we'll probably have some more in the, uh, in the follow-up for next week. But this one's from John. John writes, uh, after Walkabout, Lost's audience came to expect big twists. Many figured that Sawyer's target wasn't really his father's killer because the show was broadcasting so hard in the opposite direction. So in this episode, the showrunners wisely led us to dread that this surgery would be a a betrayal, that the twist would be shattering. So we jumped to the conclusion that this is what paralyzed Locke. I just watched the series for a new fan uh, last year, and he smugly nodded and said, oh, yeah, that's what did it, only to frown and eat his words as Locke stood up. Yeah, that is kind of a um, a, a tense moment um, the first time you see it. Yeah. When Locke gets out of the bed, you're like, well, I guess that's not what did it. Yeah. And yet that doesn't undercut the shock and catharsis of the light. As Locke cried, I wanted the show to give him that catharsis, but I didn't completely expect it to happen. That got my guard down by not simplifying his flashback existence. On my first viewing, I was fresh off a batch of medical treatments that weren't working out. Nobody on television spoke to me like John Locke. And in a show where we're often frustrated trying to determine context, the emergence of the light was simple awe. I didn't try to figure out how it was happening, nor did I think it was the island telling Locke that there was a greater father in the universe that loved him. It simply that a great and crying man heard a thing that might be an answer in a foreign language. And this was beautiful enough to move for hours after to move me for hours afterwards. Sublime. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, that's, it's an interesting thread, um, that the show is going to explore a lot of like sort of how pathetic Locke's life has been to date and how nothing works out for that guy. And he's just had bad break after bad break and he's never been in control of his destiny. And but he's um, also, he's always and, been a sap. And, and it's something that the show will explore later is, the man gets hung up on things. Yes. He, he gets very singularly minded in a way that is to his detriment. And we see this play out in, you know, with, you know, the, 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 the woman on the phone that he was talking to, like when he's going to go on the, uh, the walkabout, like he has a way of setting his mind on something. And that's where, you know, the famous phrase, don't tell me what to do or don't tell me what I can't do comes from. But, you know, as much as that probably benefits him in this early days on the island, that is also stuff that's probably going to bite him in the ass. Yep. So let's do some. Oh, one other thing. So when that light turns on, I mean, that is an that right there is like an iconic television moment. I think everybody thinks of that as one of the like couple huge, big, crazy moments in Lost. And I thought it'd be funny to grab a couple of screenshots from that uh, something awful board we've been looking at. Mm-hmm. So this is. Uh, so I'll put those in the show notes. You can find that at uh, Rewatch Podcast. Uh, dot com and uh, go to the show notes for uh, episode 18 
and I put it just a couple of screen caps, and you can just see the wall of text of everyone posting like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. No, what's happening? The light just turned on. The I, I mean, there is probably no set of reveals on Lost that are more fun than what they do with the hatch. Yeah. Uh, every single one of them, and I don't want to say anything more, but just everything they do with it, I think, are... Can some of ima- the best can you imagine breaking being in the writer's room and they're breaking that and they're like all right something's got to happen with the hatch and someone's like what if a light turns on right holy shit right Ugh. and it could have been so lame right like there's yeah. so many ways for that to not be interesting like that that sounds possibly like a lame idea up front but it's the context the, it's the emotional context they put it in with that character that just makes it like you know a, a much lesser show could have done Taken the same set of ideas and done it really, really poorly. Yep. Uh, so we got some trivia, thanks to uh, Lostpedia. Uh, so uh, Sawyer's farsightedness is revealed in this episode. However, in the I Do audio commentary, Carlton Cuse states that this is evident from the start of the series. In pilot part two, Sawyer successfully kills a polar bear with his gun, but in Tabula Rasa, he missed Edward Mars's chest, even though he was stationary and very close. Holy shit. That's great. There's no way that's intentional. That's a total retcon, but it's pretty good. Oh, and we'll get to retconning in spoiler chat because mm-hmm. I actually had to explain that to to Katie. Mm-hmm. I had just never heard the term before. Mm-hmm. But that's that's good retconning. Yep. Right. Like yep. that's finding ways to fit your story beats into in a way that makes sense. Yep. Uh, Anthony Cooper's license plate reads four uh, tr. I-019, same as the license plate on the hearse in Terminator 3, in which John Connor, Kate, and the Terminator escape Greenlawn Cemetery. I, I don't know why they wanted to make a Terminator 3 and maybe reference. That's, maybe that's one of those things like a standard Hollywood, like the Blue News Today. Or you know, it's or like maybe a, someone worked on that show. I don't know. Or well, it's like, I'm, I'm just thinking like, do you know in Hollywood how there's like yeah, there's serials? Yeah, sort of like memes and, and things like that. Well, it's they, not a meme. It's that these are things that the prop department owns. And right. so as a result, they, they just pop, show up and everything. They, yeah, it's like, so there's like a famous newspaper you can see that's been in like 50 TV shows. Mm. And it's literally called like the Blue Newspaper Today or something. Right. And it's just a fake newspaper prop that everyone uses. Um, it's possible. Maybe I'm just thinking maybe that uh, four trio nineteen is like on the ABC lot as like a maybe. license plate, a fake license plate that you can staple onto a car, and, and they happen to grab it. That is definitely possible. Uh, the events of this episode, excluding the flashbacks, begin on day thirty one, thirty nine. Excuse me, uh, on being uh, on the island and run through day forty one. So that kind of gives a sense of them being, you know, about a month and a half, a little under, uh, removed from the crash. All right. Um, we are definitely going to do a quick spoiler chat. Patrick's poor dog has got to go uh, get out. Um, but uh, next week, we'll be watching Do No Harm, uh, which is our second Jack episode. Is that correct? Or third? Uh, third, I think. Third. Yeah, that's right. I think it's our third Jack. It is a Jack one, right? Yeah, it's our third Jack flashback. Um, kind of a gross episode, a good one, and it definitely carries through with the uh, intensity uh, and the stakes of this week's episode. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. All right. I'm, l- I'm just looking over a little bit of... Uh... Yeah. It's a good one. It's a good one. It's oh, one... Yeah. It's oh, an episode... Uh, I'll say this. It's an episode that I often skip when I'm rewatching the show because it's kind of heavy uh, and gross, and uh, I don't always want to uh, deal with it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously going to follow a lot of the, the loose threads um, uh, that we saw from this episode. So, uh, show notes for this episode, um, including a link to uh, Seth Boyer's music and the uh, the screenshots from Something Awful. 
Uh, and uh, Patrick's article on Dark Souls uh, are available uh, at rewatchpodcast.com. Look for the show notes for episode 19. As always, you can email us your questions or your comments at rewatchpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you this week to Seanimals and Field Notes for sponsoring us. And thank you uh, to Chicago Podcast Co-op, which is uh, my new project with Cards Against Humanity, for hooking up those ads. And uh, as always, thank you to our editor, Kara, for doing an amazing job. Uh, thank you to Steve Fabwash Kim for our artwork. Thanks to Dose One for our theme music. And you can check out his work, including his ringtone of the month at doseone.bandcamp.com. And we will see you guys next week. Spoiler chat. Yep. Let me see what I wrote down here. Uh, All right. Do you did you notice that in um, uh, future lost episodes? Because so the, this thing of the light turning on the hatch, mm-hmm. they show it like twenty more times in the series of the show from like another character's point of view. Or yep. There's always some bullshit where it's like, oh, it turns out a character was watching Locke through the trees or something or whatever. But it also ends up being like a really innocuous, right? Like it's just like a. Like a vent. Yeah, Desmond just like no. Desmond just like turns on the lights. Yeah. No, you see it from Desmond's point of view later, and he hears Locke banging on the hatch and turns the lights on to look or something. There's a little some. There's something right because that's because yeah. that's I think that's what relates to like what is part of that big reveal in season two episode one is no 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 the f- finale of season two. Desmond's oh, right, cause flashback. The, ex- the explosion is what rocks. Uh, Desmond to get up. Anyway, it doesn't matter. No, it's like season two finale is a great episode because you see the whole history of the crash from mm-hmm. Desmond's point of view in the hatch. Anyway, you like see the plane crash. And right. Stuff. Anyway, right. so every time they show that scene again, it's like a crazy beam of light shooting into the stars from the hatch, like this right. intense light. It, in a way, it's better this way. I mean, they have to do it that way because later you see this like it's like a like a like a high powered searchlight like coming out of the woods in, in later uh, uh, scenes. Mm-hmm. But I like it better this way, where it's just like the light turns on and it's 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 a little it's like you know you're meant to wonder about it. Is it like is there a guy down there? Or is that the god of the island? Or yeah, it's weird. It's just weird. Uh, but yeah, so I mentioned before that I had explained retconning to my wife just because we were you know the uh, one part we didn't talk about was that. Uh, Locke and Boone come across uh, the people who were in the plane, um, who was a, a priest uh, who had a gun and, like, really nice clothes. And, you know, we learn later what that those are related to Echo. Like, I think that's Echo's brother? Yes. Like, um, and, you know, that that is... Well, wait, there's two bodies. Right. One of them is Echo's brother. Right. The one in the plane... No, the priest is Echo's brother. The priest is Echo's brother. And the one in the plane is just some thug. Yeah. Right? And it was, I was just explaining to her, she's like... Did they know at the time when they put them? I was like, no. I was like, that's retconning. And she's like, what's retconning? I was like, oh, it's you know retroactive continuity. It's where you you have this new character. How do we fit them in in a natural way? And I was like, that's where they look back and go, oh right, okay, we can build a character out of this and fit that into the story. Yeah, I, I didn't really follow the thread of I later. 
is it the Nikki and Paula episode where they go? They also go to the plane, and it turns out there's like a hat. There's like another hatch under the plane, and a big question mark. And well, some, that's one actually one of those annoying points in the show is that like the reveal of the hatches is like played off as like this really big thing, mm-hmm. and, and Nikki and Paula just like fucking stumble upon another one, right? Like, and it's like, what do you what do you mean they just they just find one and no one else on the island found it? I don't know if it was. New and Locke was like but, standing on it as he was obsessed with the hatch, and yeah, it was yeah. stupid. Um, but yeah, I, I was always frustrated because Mr. Echo was one of those like a lot. Some characters that were written off the show were because they got in DUIs. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Echo wanted off. Mm-hmm. He like th- he he got out of his contract and refused to even come back for the finale of the show. Like they all along, even though there was bad blood between the show and, uh, well, they, whoever, after a while they the stopped, him. They, they didn't have much for him to do. He was sort of a crazy because, weird guy because they were slowly writing him out of the show. Like oh, okay. he did not want to be a part. I don't know why it was, but it was one of those things where like, it was interesting to read is where I, I was regretting reading as much as I did. Like I would, I'd read like Entertainment Weekly and Variety, and mm-hmm. they'd be talking about the tension between the actor and the producers. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, he just asked to be written out of the show and be killed. And they still had a way they wanted to bring him back in the finale, just as a kind of tie a bow on it. And he basically just told them to fuck off. Like they apparently offered him like a shitload of money because he was he became a fan favorite character. Mister Echo is a badass. Like he's mm-hmm. super cool in season two. Um, but he just, he literally, not, and they, like, they offered him tons of money for like a 30-second cameo, and he just kept turning it down. Hmm. So fuck him. So how did that plane get on the island? Was it some sort of weirdness? Was it random? I don't remember. Just randomly crashed? I don't know. No idea. Was it the same when Desmond forgot to put the code in and the magnet went and it know. pulled the suck the plane in? Maybe. Possibly. That was something I was never clear on. I, I, or I, I never got the big picture of. Is like, are all the plane crashes and stuff random, or is that Jacob bringing them there? Because it seems random. It seems like Desmond didn't push the numbers, and then the plane gets sucked in. It seems like there's a lot of ways that people get to the island. Like, there's you know the the numbers that were on a radio that pulled someone in, and then uh, like because of the weird electromagnetism of the island like once you get there you can't leave and there's all those like weird storms that are around the island so but then would... why were these the candidates why did why did jacob know that this plane was going to crash did he make desmond miss the thing or did he well, see he watched the them through the lighthouse right like that's like the whole thing with the lighthouse you I could see the future i don't remember because here's the thing if, if jacob could see the future i mean this is like getting into the lost metaphysics but if jacob can see the future that means that all the actions and decisions that people are going to take already definitely happen so the characters can have no free will i don't remember so what does it matter for them to be a candidate or not because you already know exactly what they're going to decide all all their all their decisions are a they just have the illusion of choice i don't know okay um (laughs) i did like how before the surgery Locke and cooper cooper or Locke says see you on the other side yeah which he fucking does. He does. He fucking does see him on the other side. Yeah. I don't remember how that happens either. Something with the magic box, but. Oh, I mean, the the Dharma Initiative just goes and grabs him. Wait, the Dharma? No. Yeah. The others. Ben's another. Well, okay. They they took over the Dharma Initiative, but like, you know, the, the others who are now in charge of the Dharma Initiative went and literally grabbed him off island as part of. What's that company that they also run? The Hanzo Mit- Foundation, or no? Hanzo Foundation is different. Um, Mitlios. Oh, Mit- Mitlios Biotech. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Which is an anagram for something. The others. <laughs> something. <laughs> no. Okay. Mitlios Biotech. 
What were we doing? Oh, right. When we were buying the island for Cards Against Humanity. Lost lost time. Lost time. Bullshit. When we were uh, buying the island, Hawaii 2, for Cards Against Humanity, we had to come up with a shell corporation to buy the island so people didn't discover that Cards Mm -hmm. Against Humanity was buying it because it was part of this, like, puzzle hunt that we were doing. And we named the company that bought the island Middle East Biotech. That's good. Yep. So right. if you go look at the registration on the paper. So wait, do you own like a co- do you own the copyright on that now? On Middle East Biotech? Yeah. No, we just have a company incorporated in Maine that owns an island called Middle East <laughs> Biotech. <laughs> it's like a good. subsidiary. It's like this is what evil companies. Do. I mean, we're doing it for fun because um, it's just a it's just a goof for but us. This but is how you do tax evasion. Yeah, right. This is how evil companies like basically like are, are shitty is you set up like shell corporations and it's like, that's all, my headquarters because there's no, right. Well, it's uh, like, here's a company that only owns one thing. And then it's like, Oh, if it turns out that the, we spill a million gallons of oil on the Island and like destroy it and ruin this town. It's like the people can all sue middle East biotech. And it's like, well, there's no assets in the company and like yeah. nobody cares and there's nothing there. So let's declare bankruptcy and no one gets any money yeah. and cards against humanity goes on its merry way. But that's not why we did it. We did it for the, because it hit it for the puzzle. Uh, but, uh, yeah, anyway, but yeah, we just basically made, had our, our, uh, we made like a, like a creepy shell corporation and given the opportunity to make a creepy shell corporation that owns an yeah. island, like, why not? Yep. All right. So that's it. That's it. Is, oh, is there, is there anything else that we need to talk about? Um, cool scene in season two where you see the other side of that radio conversation. Yep. I thought that was a nice mystery tie up. Was it the other, the other 48? Or yeah. Who, I that love that. Do you like that episode? Yes. I love that episode. And I also love it because it just fucking books. Yep. Like, it's just like, boom, we're just going to cover two months worth of time. I know. I've seen that episode a lot. Every time I, it fades to black, you're like, we're not com- we're coming back like two weeks from now. Yeah. All right. Yep. Shit's changed. I, I, so I, in a, in a way I wish I always, I and wish. Rose, and Rose and Bernard are the best. Oh yeah. Rose and Bernard. Yeah. 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 Yeah, in a way, I had a, I wish that that was more of season two. I wish that they had taken more of their time with that. Instead I mean, of just doing the one you, episode. This is the kind of thing that I don't think you could do with a network TV show. But can you imagine how fucking crazy that would have been if they did like a six-episode run in season two where you just saw the other people and you're like, who are these people? Oh, and just no flash, no, nothing. You're just leaving the other people alone. Yeah, for six it's like, up, yeah, you're, cool. you're gone from the main cast. I mean, yeah. you know, in a, version, in, a, in a version of the world where there were like fewer episodes and it was less network TV, I could see the show going in that direction where they just tell it's like all these new characters. And it was, and if it was like stories. an HBO season where it was thirteen episodes, I could see them doing the first two episodes being exclusively dedicated to yeah to them, which would have been neat. Ah, ah. Well, when they do the reboot, I love that episode. A lot of people hate it. I think it's maybe because I think some people love it because it's fast, and then some people hate it because it's fast. I love it. I love it. It, g- it gives answers and it, it, cool, creepy stuff happens. Yep. All right, are we are we all good? We're done. Gotta walk your dog. I gotta walk my dog. Okay, goodbye. Please, if you know anything else about shrimp, um, we're still gonna read your shrimp email. So please write us. Okay, goodbye.